Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope that this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. It is good to be in the presence of God and in worship with you today. Uh, Hello to all of you who are with us worshiping from many different locations online today. I want to invite all of you to join me for dinner this Wednesday night. All of you. Um, Especially if you are newer to the church and you don't know much about Redeemer, our history, our denomination, our vision, our mission, our affirmations, our ministries, ways that you can get plugged in, ways that you can get involved, and ways that you can serve. Uh, We have our Next Steps class happening this Wednesday night at 6.30, following our Ash Wednesday service, and uh, I would love it if you would join me. We do need you to register online because we provide dinner and childcare, and we need to make sure that we're prepared. And this is also for any of you who have been here for 10 years, and you love this church, but you have no idea about anything that I just said. Uh, This event is for you as well. This is the uh, fourth and final week of our series called Unhurry. And this series has been both painful and liberating to me, and perhaps the same for you. Many of you have shared with me things that you have changed and modified and new habits that you formed as a result of this series, and I'm so glad to hear it. I'm also so glad it's almost over. So just bear with me because this, this series has really done a lot in my own personal life and caused me to look in the mirror. We have covered many topics that confront our fast-paced lives, silence, solitude, slowing down, practicing the Sabbath, and today the topic that I'm preaching about is simplicity. So we'll be in Matthew 6 here in a few minutes if you want to get ready uh, and get your Bibles out. But first, I want to acknowledge three very dangerous cousins. Wealth, advertisement, and debt. Wealth, advertisement, and debt. Did you know that those of you who earn $25,000 a year are in the top 10% income earners of the world? Did you know that if you drove a vehicle here today, or you have any money in the bank, you are in the top 5% of income earners in the world? And did you know that if you make $50,000 per year, you're in the top 1% of income earners in the world? And because we have wealth, we are targets of global marketing and advertisement. One French sociologist argues that in the Western world, materialism has become the new dominant system of meaning. Atheism has not replaced cultural Christianity. Shopping has. Everybody okay? Do you know how many advertisements the average person sees in a given day? Six to 10,000. It's unbelievable. It's shocking, really, every single day. And what happens 
after we see those ads is also shocking. Researchers have analyzed the brain activity of product users, such as Apple, and they made a very interesting discovery. Apple products are actually triggering the same location of the brain that religious images trigger in a person of faith. They call this the brain on Apple. In his book, You Are What You Love, James Smith writes that we unconsciously learn to love rival kingdoms because we don't realize we're participating in rival liturgies. And he uses the example of a shopping mall and writes, don't think that the mall isn't religious. The mall is a religious site. Not because it's theological, but because it's liturgical. Its spiritual significance and threat isn't found in its ideas or messages, but in its rituals. The mall doesn't care what you think, but it's very interested in what you love. Victoria's secret is that she's actually after your heart. You remember what Ryan Myers said last week in his sermon on the Sabbath. We're all practicing something. What are we practicing? So we acquire this wealth, and then we unconsciously learn to love rival kingdoms and participate in rival liturgies. And then guess what happens? We start to purchase. Check, cash, or charge. We buy, and we buy, and we buy until we go into debt. Do you know that over 40% of Americans spend more money than they make? 40%. And why? Maybe they think the more they possess, the happier they will be. That's not the case. In fact, research shows that people in debt are three times more vulnerable to depression. Okay, this sermon's not about wealth and advertisement and debt. So just relax. This is still a sermon about simplicity. So here, let me connect the dots for us today. Every single time we insert the chip, we're investing in two different currencies. Money is the obvious one, but time. Every time you swipe the card and purchase something new, you are investing your time. The more we own, the busier we are. And the busier we are, the more hurried we live. God does not want his people to live a pace and a rhythm of life that is hurried. In other words, more stuff equals less time and less time equals more hurry. Maybe you've heard of a book called Celebration of Discipline written by Richard Foster. He writes about simplicity as the only thing that sufficiently reorients our lives so that possessions can be genuinely enjoyed without destroying us. It is an inward reality that can be seen in an outward lifestyle. Choosing to leverage time and money and talents and possessions toward what matters most. So, speaking of what matters most, now we go to Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart 
Try that again, because like 4% of you spoke back to me. Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. This is a teaching about allegiance. Allegiance to the kingdom of God rather than the castles that we build on earth. And it's all about the heart. See, the theme of treasure communicates how material possessions can compete with our allegiance to God. Furthermore, we're cautioned against ever treasuring what can be destroyed or stolen. This is extremely important for us, my friend. And it demands an honest answer from each one of us. Where is your heart today? Where's your heart? This side, I thought you are off the hook. Where's your heart? What do you treasure? The heart is the seat of our allegiance and affection. It seems like when you read the entire chapter of Matthew 6, it all is just screaming to us, Look up! Look up! When instead we're constantly looking around us here on earth. The point of this life is preparation for the world to come. And you cannot take your treasure with you. The point of this life is not to accumulate. Right? We're not taking our treasure with us. Mark 8.36 points to this. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or as the great theologian Denzel Washington says, you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Do you want to continue? All right. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? When you see these verses in light of the preceding and following context, you realize that Jesus has not departed here from the theme of a person's attitude toward material wealth. So in keeping with the figurative language, light would be an accurate perspective, a God-honoring perspective about material wealth. And darkness would be some sort of distortion of this truth. So darkness is an unhealthy, ungodly view of material wealth. And for all of our NIV users in the house today, if you just want to peek down at the footnotes, the Greek here for healthy implies generous. The Greek here for unhealthy implies stingy. Polar opposite perspectives about material wealth and accumulation. So if I see this correctly, a generous eye, a God-honoring eye, and perspective on wealth is going to be guided by the wisdom of God. It's going to be guided safely because of the light. But a stingy eye walks in darkness. 
What happens when people walk around in the darkness? You stumble and you fall. I didn't say that. Jesus did. Jesus said it. The stingy are going to stumble. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The line has been drawn here in the sand. Jesus' disciples are to give undivided loyalty to him. While money and possessions and property and accumulation are all to take an inferior place in our hearts. Jesus is not demanding that we withdraw from the material world that we live in. He just expects us to steward what he gives us in a way that honors him. So when we are preoccupied with increasing our wealth, when we are worried about maintaining our wealth, or we are desiring more wealth so we can fit in with our friends or our neighbors, that's not stewardship. If anybody will say amen, I'll repeat that, because I thought that was good. Thank you. When we're preoccupied with increasing our wealth, when we are worried every single day about maintaining and protecting our wealth, and when we're constantly desiring more so that we can keep up with those around us, that's not stewardship. Stewardship is putting God's kingdom first, above every little castle that we occupy. Is God's kingdom more important today than your castle? And I have to say, there's risk involved with this. Of course. But we're okay even in that risk because we, we know that God is trustworthy. And that God loves us. And that we don't have to sit here with our fists clinging to what he's already given us. But instead, we're just holding it. And saying, God, you can give, you can take away, you can move. Whatever, whatever you're doing, God, I, I'm in. I'm in. I trust you. Stewardship is knowing that everything we have belongs to God. He is the owner of everything you have. He has authority and dominion over every cent of every currency across this world. So if he's the owner, what does that make you and me? Stewards. Or if you want a fancy term, a fancy title today, you're the manager. He's entrusting it to you. He's the owner. You're the manager. You know, remembering that truth could just eliminate a lot of stress in our lives immediately. Before I offer some immediate applications that you can take home today, I want to reiterate that this sermon is about simplicity, not asceticism, which is obtaining from all worldly pleasures, most often with a religious aim, not monasticism, which is the renunciation of all worldly pleasures, not minimalism, which is only owning what adds value and meaning to your life and removing the rest. This is a message about simplicity. Um, I was a college pastor many years ago, 
And as a college pastor, I had the privilege of leading many short-term mission trips all around the world. The very first team that I took to Africa, we went to Mozambique, and I asked them before we left, would you all like to do something together where we can experience what the majority of the world experiences on a daily basis, and that's food scarcity. Will you all take 10 days and eat one cup of rice and one cup of beans per day with me? And we did it. And it hurt terribly. Every time our stomachs painfully growled, we experienced what the majority of the world experiences. And while in Mozambique, we learned about a trash dump called the Bocaria. There are families and orphans who live on this trash dump. They never leave. And all day long, they sift through the trash and they're looking for anything edible, anything that could help them survive. Or maybe something that someone else has trashed and they can take it to the market and resell it. And they're lucky to make 50 cents a day. The days that I've spent at the Bocaria are emotionally exhausting, overwhelming, really. So we came home, this first team that I led, we came home and we had a lot of conversations about how we are stewarding this excess that God has given us, this more than we actually need. Are we good stewards? Are we honoring God? Are we living with simplicity? And so we had this plan. We wanted new habits, new routines, new disciplines to better honor God with the wealth that he's entrusted to us. Only a few days went by, and a couple of the knuckleheads on this team convinced a lot of their friends to meet them down at the Canadian River. And they all built a big bonfire, and they burned almost all of their clothes. And I remember learning this. And I had two immediate thoughts. And there was also a a TV on the fire. They sent me pictures. Some PlayStations. Two immediate thoughts. I hope your parents don't call me. And second, completely missed the point. Because honoring God with our wealth and living a simple life Life, it's not just decluttering your closet. It's not decluttering your attic. It's not filling bags once a year with things to give away. We're talking about decluttering your life. Protecting yourself from loving the gift more than you love the one who gives the gift. That's simplicity. Remembering that more stuff equals less time than we have And less time just means more hurry. And God does not want us to live this fast-paced life where we miss it. We miss out on him and we miss out on one another. So let me offer you a few practical suggestions. A few from author Richard Foster. A few others from John Mark Comer's book. And then I've thrown in a few of my own. Number one, buy things for their usefulness rather than their status. Set a goal. Maybe start with one day or three days or one week. Set a goal and only purchase what you need. Just put the wants to the side. 
and purchase what you need. Stop buying clothes or cars or anything else just to impress people. And instead, impress those other people with the way that you love. Number two, refuse to purchase the most recent gadget. If your kid has a doll, let your kid be content with that doll. And when you're walking through the store and the kid wants the new doll, the shiny doll, because it makes a mess in a diaper and the kid learns how to change a diaper and it can giggle and drink milk and burp, you know, the new doll, teach your kid, we don't need that doll just because you think it's better than the doll you have. The United States has less than 6% of the world's population, but we consume a third of the world's energy. It's pretty telling. Perhaps you could implement the strategy of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Or if it ain't broke, don't replace it. Number three, develop a habit of giving things away. Did you know that we partner with the Care Portal in Tulsa? You can get in touch with Amy Senea on our staff and she can teach you more about it, but you can get online and you can actually find people in Tulsa who need what you have and never use. You can get on there today with her and find out who needs a car seat, who needs a mattress, who needs some furniture, who needs some clothes. The things that you have accumulated and you don't even need anymore. There's somebody in our city that needs it and we can help you get it in their hands. Number four, don't shop impulsively. I'm telling you right now, out of the 10 I'm sharing, this is my weakness. Because I'm pretty content. I can go into all the stores and I don't need to buy anything new. But I do have a weak spot. It's the neighborhood Walmart market. Andrea sends me there occasionally for one item. And I spend $150. Typically I come home with four or five jars of the big pickles. The jars at the concession stands. I don't know what my problem is. It's, it's, it's impulse. What if we stopped shopping impulsively? Number five, before a purchase, consider the true cost of the item. <clears throat> yeah, it's going to cost you money. Is it going to cost you time? Is it going to cost you relationship? Is it going to cost you stress to own the more that you buy? Is everybody okay right now? This, ser- this series is over in like four minutes. I promise we're going to land the plane. I'm so glad. Number six, live on a budget. Even if you don't need the budget, even if you have more than enough, set some healthy boundaries around your spending. Number seven, resist the lie of advertisement. When you're watching TV with your kids and a commercial comes on the screen, ask your kid at the end of the commercial, what was the lie? What was the lie in that commercial? Is the iPhone 20 actually going to be faster than the iPhone 19? Are the shoes going to really complete the outfit? Is Axe Cologne really going to get you the girl? And remember, whatever you do buy for 30% off, I got to get more because it's on the clearance rack, they're still making a profit off of you. Number eight, tithe. At Redeemer, we don't want a tithe from you. We want the tithe for you. It's liberating to stop clinging so tightly to what God has entrusted to you, and he's only asked for a portion of that in return. 
Tithing is saying yes to God with your first fruits. And when you do that, odds are you're going to steward the remaining resources more appropriately and in a way that honors him. Did you know that people who make $20,000 a year are eight times more likely to give than people who make 75000 The more we make, the less we want to give. It's stingy. Sorry. I'm trying to hit anybody's toes hard today. Tithe. Don't live like this. Live like this. And remember, when you do tithe 10%, you don't run off and do whatever you want with the 90. 100% of your resources belong to God. 100%. So you're not tithing to do whatever you want with the remaining. You're saying yes with 100%. Number nine. (sighs) Empty your storage unit. You don't need it. I understand if a kid's gone to college or something and you're hanging on to it, whatever. You don't, you don't need it. Get rid of it. And don't sell it. And don't burn it down by the river. But instead, find a young single mother who you could furnish her entire apartment. Bless her. Give it away. Number 10, give spontaneously or secretively. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Drop a 20, drop a 50, drop a 100. When somebody least expect it. Next time you drive through a fast food restaurant, tip the young man or the young woman who took your order. Hand them your credit card for the food and a $50 bill and say, God bless you. Jesus loves you. And watch their reaction. Even better, give your money away without a track record that points back to you. Before we close, listen to the wise words of uh, Alan Fadling who wrote... The drive to possess is an engine for hurry. Listen to wiser words of Jesus. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Keeping these wise words in mind, I'd like to close today by reading this liturgy for shopping. And so you can bow your heads, you can close your eyes. And just receive this liturgical reading today. And after I read, I'll go sit down with you. And Rick is going to play for a few minutes and just let us sit and soak and pray and reflect and evaluate our own heart. Be ever at work in our minds and hearts, O Lord, freeing us from a service to things by daily increasing our devotion to you. And liberate us now and always to live as ever wiser and more compassionate administrators of the trust and the resources you have placed in our temporary keeping. May our purchases and our decisions not to purchase each be made in the same context of delighting in your blessings, of stewarding such gifts in the bright hope of one day hearing you pronounce over our lives, that most coveted verdict. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Let the hope of that good end, O Lord, shape our vision and our choices as we shop 
today. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.